0: Can you do a video on fight or flight? I feel like I'm dying sometimes. I'm three months into this and I feel like I'm going to explode. The pain and pressure is so intense. Prolonged grief disorder diagnosis can be given with grief symptoms over one year. But I call BS on that. I was personally in shock the first year. And that is fight or flight, right? That intense feeling of, I can't believe this has happened. I'm gonna give you three things that helped me not get stuck in my grief. The first is self-love. And that includes giving yourself grace. Grief is extremely painful. The person that said that she's in just in three months. Unfortunately, that's just the beginning. And we have to manage our expectations Around how long it actually takes to get through grief. I love what um, this woman said as I interviewed her seven years after losing her child.
1: Being very free with tears. And even though it makes other people uncomfortable, I'm sorry, I can't help that. I have to grieve my child my way. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and at that time, I had an, an, a commute of an hour. And so my car was kind of my little cathedral, my little church. And I could scream, I could cry and talk to God and ask Him why, and then I could listen to music and kind of get calmed back down. a lot. In the early days, that was a lot. I went back to work way too soon. I went back to work at two, after two weeks because I just didn't know mm-hmm. what else to do. But also being very honest with people. I'm an honest human anyway, and so in those early days, you didn't feel like you could be honest because it made other people feel uncomfortable. But I had to finally come to that I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. And that's who I am. That's just who I am. So when I'm hurting, I tell you I'm hurting today. Today's not a good day. It's a bad day. You have to give yourself so much grace. I've never been this way before. never walked this path before.
0: And I'm figuring it out step by step. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself a lot of grace is, is huge. You notice her pain of losing her child is still there seven years later. And so that pain will never go away. However, we can still like learn to process, find things that bring us joy, but making sure that we take the time to feel the pain. And this is what I'm referring to when I say self-love. We often think of self-love as, you know, doing things that make us happy. And right now, if you are in intense grief, you don't feel like you can do things that make you happy they don't make you happy anymore but again that grace managing expectations around the time that it takes to do that i lost my daughter maya december 14th 2021 and it wasn't until 9 months later that i realized that i hadn't even started grieving and i had to take you know a very specific action to start that grieving process because I was still in that fight or flight. And so figuring out what that is for you is super important. Nobody can feel this pain for you. No one can take this pain away from you. And so managing the expectations around how am I going to do this for the long term? It's a marathon, not a sprint, And so that is the first thing, and I'm going to refer back to that, self-love, grace to yourself, understanding that this is going to take time and that you have to feel that pain. The second thing that I do is separate my grief. I talk about this a lot. Grief, when we process grief, the end result is to cherish that relationship. But there's so many other factors some common things that are associated with grief, trauma, maybe the way the person died was traumatic, injustice, maybe it was unfair, It maybe it created a, a spiritual conflict, maybe it causes you to say negative things to yourself or causes additional anxiety. Learning to separate those things and process them and deal with them differently because when we process grief, the end result, is to cherish that relationship. But those other things get enmeshed. Let's talk about trauma. Listen to this woman who found her daughter after completing suicide.
2: I did what I didn't expect to do, which was scream and scream and scream and scream. Couldn't stop screaming. Um, I screamed until I almost vomited, actually. Um, The police had arrived by then, and they had to pull me up off off of her, off of the floor. it's just, I'm, I'm still to this day surprised about that reaction because um, that's just not me. Um, but it, it was
0: the me who was her mom who lost her. That is trauma. That's not grief. We, we don't want her to process that day and cherish that moment. That is not what she's cherishing in grief. And so you see why it's important to separate that trauma from the grief? So when you have an experience like that associated with your grief, and, and sometimes trauma needs professional intervention. But when we talk about processing trauma, the goal is to process and release. You're always going to remember that day. maybe it even creeps up on you with flashbacks and you know nightmares. Every morning, almost every morning, I wake up with the vision of finding my daughter in the morning that's trauma. That's not grief. That, that is what I'm trying to release. And I'm coming up on two years since her death. So this is a process. One of the most common things is, is a spiritual conflict. We live in a world where many people have many different uh, belief systems about life after death. But what happens is, is even if you have a strong belief system prior to intense grief I want you to listen to what happens to that belief system
1: that if you were good Mm. if you obeyed the rules then God would take care of you and I equated that with keeping my people safe that's not what he did snatched him (laughs) He snatched him. I had done everything that I knew mm-hmm. to be right and try to raise them mm-hmm. in a way that honored God. Everything in my life revolved around God and obeying and being a good Christian, following God's commands and knowing God's word but in a moment. Every bit of that was pulled into question.
0: That was me born-again Christian, believing that if I did all of the right things, God would protect me and my family, and he didn't. So then what do you do with that? I like what the next person says of like where she was and where she is now. That she didn't stop her spiritual journey, but that it evolved.
2: That's the other thing. You know, I've always grown up as a, a, a woman of a Catholic, started Catholic faith. That's how I was raised and then became Christian and, well, whatever. They kind of overlap. Um, and um, things have changed a lot since then. Um, I've become more spiritual um, than, than religious, and that is because it's just been a lot of struggle since I lost her. Um, and some of the things that the church had taught growing up, I realized was, um, for me personally, a bunch of BS and, um, you know, God and I have an ongoing conversation. Um, and it's, you know, if God is the good God that everybody says he is, then, uh, he'll understand, but I've been nothing but angry and resentful I mean. If he can create the universe, why didn't he save my kid? I understand free will. Uh, I don't care. And that's just, there's no rhyme or reason. You cannot logically approach things like this. You really can't. Which I started questioning all of my beliefs at that point. Um, So about a year after she died, I had a dream. Um, And the dream was that I could go up to the edge of heaven and she could come out to the edge of heaven, just outside of heaven. And, and we, there were rules like she couldn't, she couldn't touch me all the way because if I touched her somehow, she wouldn't be able to go back in. It was a weird thing, but, but it was very, very real. Um, I, I could smell her smell again. I didn't realize how much I missed that smell. I smelled her hair in her cheek and, um, I, I actually could feel her beautiful blonde hair and and the first thing she said to me was that she was so sorry. Um, that she instantly regretted it. She was just really in a bad spot when she did it. It was impulsive. Um, but she was happy where she was. Very happy. Happier than she'd ever been on Earth. And that she was doing all the things that she ever loved doing. And um, and that she's so so sorry that she's not with me. But in my in my son, her her brother Brad. Um, but that she wanted us to go on and do good in our lives kind of in honor of her, and um, despite the fact that she's gone and she she just absolutely she looked like herself, um, but better and she was happy she was healed and and the weird thing is is you know we're here on earth and we're feeling so much pain and so much loss without our loved one and It feels like forever. But when I was up there in heaven with her, um, or just outside of it, um, it felt like I had not, like we'd never been apart. It was like I hit, it was nighttime and I had slept and I woke up and the next morning she was there. It was like we said goodnight and we're saying good morning. And it was, I wasn't mad at her. And I'm really mad a lot (laughs) right now. But in heaven, I wasn't.
0: I too have a relationship with my daughter after her death. I can get into a a meditative state and talk to her. I feel like she is always right here on my shoulder, just like in this picture. And she is with me forever. And so it is super important. And this is why, you know, separating this from your grief, getting on this spiritual journey that gives you some connection with a spiritual relationship that's the only way to make sense of what has happened. Another thing that I talk about is the negative thoughts that start coming in your head. I often said, I'm a bad mother. I should have been sleeping with Maya. I should have taken Reggie to the hospital that day. If I was good enough smart enough, they would still be here.
2: And I'm so, st- try not to hate myself, but you know, as a mom, you can't help it. You're just like, I'm so stupid because I,
0: I should have known. Like, what? Those are negative thoughts. That is not grief. Negative thoughts need to be changed. Grief cannot be changed. Do you see why you have to separate Anxiety is another thing. Even if you never had anxiety before, oftentimes intense grief will develop an anxiety. Like what's next? What bad thing is going to happen next? And sometimes there's external triggers to that, as this mother tells when she sees lights.
1: And it comes back even though this has been seven years, it comes back to me every time that I see lights. When I hear sirens, my heart just stops, gets up in my throat because you think somebody's life is fixing each
0: So I talked about there's three things that we can be doing, right? That first one was self-love. Whatever that means for you, grace, managing expectations, giving yourself time allowing yourself to feel the pain. Two is separating all of these things. Trauma is not grief. That negative dialogue that you have going in your head is not grief. Work through your spiritual conflict. Find your truth. And then lastly, the third thing, behaviors and choices, taking action. But I don't want to take action. I want to just give up. One of the things that I think keeps me going is I've promised myself I will never give up. And these mothers that I share their story, they haven't given up. They too have lost a child. I love what this mother says. And professionally, we call this dialectical thinking.
1: So learning how to, that balance of, I wanna tell you that it does get better But I also have to tell you that joy and pain can live together in the Mm. same heart. And they do. They coexist
0: every day in me. I love what you said of pain and joy can coexist. And and that's really the only way for us to have.
1: Well, they have to coexist. Because if you wait for there to be pure joy again, you're going to be waiting a long time. Mm
0: -hmm. Joy and pain. I know you feel your pain and you think joy is only in the past, we don't have to deny our pain to find our joy. That's the dialectic. These are two truths that, that appear opposite. And both can be true. Sometimes taking action is actually changing the trajectory of your life, like our next mother.
2: I went back and I became a psych NP and then I, that's um, what I do. I mean, that's my mm-hmm. purpose. I take care of people. And then my goal is is literally getting into policymaking mm-hmm. so, to try to change the way mental health is delivered here or anywhere.
0: So this third thing is taking action. I too am taking action. I'm turning my pain into purpose. You can answer these questions for yourself. These are our stories. This is what is working for us. And I wish I had a formula that is specific and guaranteed to help you. But it's your story, your grief, and all of the other things that it it has impacted, whether it's injustice, spiritual conflict, the negative thoughts in your head, Taking action is about what are you going to do with those things? So again, the three things that is working for me, finding a way to love myself, which includes grieving and feeling that pain. And the goal of grief is to cherish that relationship, not to get rid of the pain. The second thing is separating your grief from all of the other things that are causing you pain. And the third thing, and only you can do, is to take action to answer your own questions, to tell your own story. And it doesn't have to be publicly, but finding that story in you that turns your pain into something, something positive. I'm Christy Kumara. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner professionally, but I've lost three children. My son Johnny in a drowning accident in 2005. Later, my two biological children, Reggie and Maya, were diagnosed with a rare neurodegenerative condition called DRPLA. Reggie died October 30th, 2016, because I didn't take him to the hospital. Maya not sick, no warning, died in her sleep from sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, December 14th, 2021. And I am taking action to turn my pain into purpose and trying to help you so that we all can say that we are mentally strong.